Sound of Hockey, episode 200. Sound of Hockey episode 200, we're calling this one the Crap Weasel Nation episode. Why are we hey. calling it that, John? Well, Crap Weasel, as we'll hear later on, mm-hmm. is part of the origin story of the Sound of Hockey podcast. It and is. And for a while, it was like the rallying cry while we waited for a team <laughs> name for, oh, like two years. That's so, right. So, yeah. So, Crap Weasels, as a... It's got some lore to the to the OGs, if you will. A special place in all of our hearts, that's for sure. At uh, least those of you that were listening before the Kraken were born. Yes, and were you truly listening at that time? I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> we we made it, folks. Episode 200, uh, it does feel like, it feels like a milestone, I think, right? I mean, it's just a number, but it feels like a milestone. If, right? a, guy yeah. scores, if, guy, if a guy scores 200 goals, they celebrate it. That's true. Any kind of round number like that. Yeah. Although, truthfully, we've had, I think, like 207 or 208 episodes. Yeah, lots of bonus yeah, episodes. We yeah. don't usually number the bonus episodes, but nonetheless. So, But 200 weeks of doing this show, effectively. That's a lot of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we really haven't taken many weeks off. No. And the very, and, and, you know, I think, Andy, you've missed a couple. I've missed a yeah. couple. Darren, I don't think you've ever missed one. No, so I have not. yeah, so really that he's the Iron Man streak. That's true. He's got the, the Iron Man streak of the Sound of he's Hockey. He's the Phil podcast. Kessel of the Sound of Hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you guys did, ooh, that's quite the uh, <laughs> quite the compliment hey, let's there. Go. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good no, he went to Minnesota. He's oh, that's he's right. hated it because he's from Madison, right. but he went that's to right. Minnesota. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget. He shushed the Cole Center after scoring a goal. Uh, which was not <laughs> not very kind of him. The only thing that I ever missed, though, I think, is when you guys went to like Thunderbirds training camp, I think, and interviewed a bunch of guys. Oh, and yeah. ever, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, and it was great. But I remember uh, like listening back afterwards, and I was like, man, I wasn't there for that. That makes me sad. So, except you guys have done a lot more interviews now that you're at training camps and and mm-hmm. practices, you're able to give. The first Forslund interview. That's right? true. Yeah, that was. I was pretty jealous. That was I a good say. one. That was pretty good. <laughs> it was yeah. a good one. He was fun. Um, hey, this is going to be a great episode, though. We have uh, two really great interviews with some returning guests. We wanted to bring back some uh, some friends of the pod to be on once again. So we have Allison Lucan, who's been on twice before. We also have Robert Cron, who was on last summer, uh, both of which are fantastic interviews. So stick around for those. We also, last week, asked for some voicemails from our listeners. So we have a few of those to pepper through through. Uh, throughout the show so just be on the lookout for those and maybe we'll have a couple more surprises along the way you never know spicy (laughs) yeah john and andy don't know that uh (laughs) we have a five-star review to share with you it comes from go kraken with the it's k-r-a-k-c-e-n and the k-c are capitalized so you'll understand why in a moment this comes from k-c-r-z-r-b-c-k so maybe k-c razorback potentially cool love it okay love it uh, it says, as a fan of the Kraken, hailing from Kansas City. Nice. Uh, Do we get yeah, it? Yeah. We get it? I took the Monarchs. Uh-huh. Oh, Mavericks. Okay. Mavericks. Oh, Mavericks. well, were the Monarchs baseball yes, team, were they why, in Kansas City? I, I okay. think so. That's why. All right. Uh, I took the recent affiliation of the KC Mavericks as my sign that it was finally time for a five-star review. Since coming to the decision that the Kraken would be my team, quote-unquote, in a sport that I was growing to love a few years ago, Sound of Hockey has been appointment listening article reading, and close Twitter following. John, Darren, and Andy have incredible charisma on air, have taught me a ton about the game and leagues, and just seem like all-around great dudes. Sound of Hockey is a fun, informative listen for Kraken fans near and far, and I look forward to each week's new episode. 
Can't wait for the upcoming season. I'm especially looking forward to having some future Kraken in my backyard. Don't know what that means. Oh, I see. ECHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, cheers. Also, I'd love to know where John recommends pulling data from like he does for data dumps. I love playing around with stats. I even interacted with John on Twitter about stuff I made about potential Kraken targets back when we were ramping up for the expansion draft. I would love to do more in the hockey slash Kraken realm. Any tips for Casey Erzurbeck? Um Yeah, I mean, I learned programming language called R, which is pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty rude, but it's like scraping. It's like hitting NHL APIs. And that sounds really daunting to people that have just used Excel and things. But I literally just use Excel and some SQL before. But my point is, there's ways to learn it and there's ways to pull it. And the NHL has a lot of different ways to do it. And if that person or any person for that matter wants some tips how I did it, and and I'm like a I still consider myself a novice, but I'll put it this way: I've got a lot of data that I haven't shared. Um, but reach out to me on Twitter again, KC, and go ahead and uh, and and we'll wrap out about it. I'll share everything I got on how to do that. That's um, very nice of you. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank how you. How cool is it, by the way? How cool is it when we hear from people from out of town? Yeah, you know, like where they're like really into it, mm-hmm. not like oh, I just randomly. I you know how many times have we heard from like people in different areas that are just like man this is this is awesome this yeah. is how i stay in contact well we definitely and i mean the bulk of our listeners are, are probably local but there's certainly a lot of people across the u.s there's people in canada we have people in england that listen and australia right. yeah. and so it's it's sort of a global podcast which is pretty cool amazing let's go to a couple of our voicemails here you're going to hear from our good friend the fifth scallop and then an anonymous anti-fifth scallop right anti. after that how can you Whoa. be anti-five scallops <laughs> How can you be against any scallop, for that matter? Hey, babes. You know who it is. It's me, Fifth Scallop. What Sound of Hockey means to me is uh, three really great guys sitting around talking about the Kraken, talking about the NHL, and making my days enjoyable uh, while I'm at work. Hey, John, Andy, and Darren. Just love the podcast. Just wanted to say that. It's one of my favorite things to listen to on my way to hockey. Uh, and mostly I just wanted to say, please stop reading five-star reviews from the fifth scallop. It's creepy and he's weird. Thanks. Love you guys. All right. So there you heard it. Uh, that second caller is not a fan of, uh, the fifth scallops reviews, which is kind of funny. A little, little tough love. A little bit of yeah. tough love. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you to the YouTube for, uh, sending in those messages. Uh, Kraken news. Let's do it. The Kraken have a new assistant coach behind the bench, which I think is interesting because they do already have two official assistant coaches and Paul McFarlane and Jay Leach. They've added whomst, Andy. Uh, Dave Lowry, who mm-hmm. was uh, most recently the interim coach for the Winnipeg Jets. Yep. He took over after Paul Maurice walked away. Uh, what was that, right around midway through the season or so? Yep. He obviously played a long time in the NHL. Uh, you know, he, went, he played for the Florida Panthers when they went to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, he, his son plays for the Winnipeg Jets now. Um, he's been an assistant coach in a couple of different places. He was a head coach in the WHL for a while with Victoria. So guy's been around the game for a long time. He knows his stuff and it's going to be crowded back there behind the bench now with a head <laughs> know, coach and three assistants. I'm trying to think, is that like super common for teams to have three assistant coaches? Well, you could have one up upstairs. Yeah. Well. They could do yeah, an eye in the sky, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe they'll do that. Um, anyway, I, you know, I retweeted from the sound of hockey account this week. Uh, oh, we didn't do our intros by the way. I'm Darren Brown oh. at Darren fun Brown on the Twitter. <laughs> joined as we're always new, by, we're new to this. Yeah. Joined as always by Andy Ide. 
Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ida on Twitter. <laughs> and John Barr. Hello, John. <laughs> Hello, Darren. I am NHL2 Seattle on the Twitter. Yeah, so I tweeted from the at sound underscore hockey account. Feel free to follow us there as well for all your Kraken-related news. Uh, retweeted a, a video of Dave Lowry when he was playing, and we talked about this on the podcast. We did. We did. When he became the interim coach, where uh, it was like ticking down in the last few seconds of the of a game, and uh, Craig Berube was his teammate, and he needed to get out to jump somebody to fight him <laughs> and Lowry just shot the puck over the glass just so he could like take a to get a, a delay, stoppage right so to get a stoppage yeah. get a delay of game penalty himself so that Barube could come out and fight whoever he needed to fight oh my so, god that funny was, moment that was for funny. the boys yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> somebody somebody retweeted that and said that's the kind of the insight the mindful insight or something to that effect mm-hmm. about Lowry brings because it's all he's obviously very mindful like oh there's six seconds left I better flip this out of the out of the or Barube. If I don't, then Barube isn't going to be able to get out of the box and kill this guy. that guy's butt. Yeah, a whistle. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Whistle. So, <laughs> I mean, cerebral kind of coach. Oh and yeah, player. Yeah, absolutely interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Samuel Buchek, who is the was the top scorer in the Slovak league. He signed with the Kraken allegedly, and it never became An AHL deal. Uh, well, I'm trying to think how this played out. It was reported that he had signed with the Kraken. And then that never, never got officially announced yeah. until recently it was announced that he had signed an AHL deal with the Coachella Valley Firebirds. And he was at training camp. He was at uh, development camp. Development yeah. camp, sorry. And yeah. now he's uh, not involved in the organization anymore because he's signed a one-year deal with Neftekimik yeah, of the KHL. I love them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's interesting. Interesting little wrinkle there. Or it was never really interesting to begin with. It never was. What a, <laughs> what a, what a mighty tenure he's had so, here yeah. in Seattle. I mean, the reality is, though, he, he could still, you know, they sometimes players sign cat contracts and then they are on loan to other teams. It didn't sound like that's what it was, though. There was, it wasn't said that it he was on loan. It did not sound like that. But Sounds like he's gone. But the, like team, the team yeah. hasn't really been too forthcoming on that. Right. Um, and the thing is, the... Only reason we know about this guy or we're talking about him is because a local media guy said he signed with the Kraken right. three or four months ago. Yep. And it never really kind of came out that way. So interesting. And speaking of the Coachella Valley Firebirds, there is a actual Coachella Valley Firebird now. And su nombre es Fuego, which means fire, if you're unfamiliar with the word Fuego. Uh, he's a yeah, bird. El Fuego. In yeah, Espanol. Yeah, yeah. Un pájaro, if you will. Um, <laughs> so they did a they did a pretty good reveal, I would say, as far as like minor league mascot reveals go. I thought the whole process was pretty good. They had a nice like teaser running up to it f- for several days before. They'd show like one little part of him, like his his foot or like his hand or something, which it's kind of weird that he's hands, I guess, because he's a bird. Yeah, but it's kind of weird. Um, and then they had, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it, but the Fuego Twitter account the other day tweeted out something called a napkin challenge. And it was like three employees from the Firebirds were sitting around. A, did you see it, Andy? You're I nodding. See it. Okay. Yeah. They're sitting around a lunch table. And the one guy goes, Oh, no, I spilled my drink. Can you get me a napkin? And Fuego walks over and rips the shirt off of one of the other <laughs> employees, but like actually rips it and like tears the guy down. And he like clearly had to pull way too hard to get him. Yeah, I think it was supposed to go smoother than yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> and it obviously like backfired, but they just went with it. And these guys are like cracking up. And I'm like, this is pretty good content because it's it's like a it's like a blooper reel within what they were trying to do. Right. And they're like, ah, screw it. Let's just air yeah, it. Let's just post yeah, that. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty funny. So does this put pressure on the Kraken to come up with their own mascot? I saw 
there was an NHL mascot convention and Fuego was there, I, I guess, representing the Kraken, I, I guess. I did see that too. Yeah, they're at the Empire <laughs> State Building, which was kind of funny. Um, I mean, I don't think it puts any additional pressure on them to f- come up with one. The only thing that I think puts pressure on them is that we heard from somebody last year that there was a mascot coming. Jay, Do- Jay Deutsch, one of the minority yeah. owners yeah. around December, talked about it. Um, I mean, I think it's coming. I don't. I have zero idea when, but it's really based on those comments last year where he said it's eminent, and it was not. I mean, it was literally December because yeah. I know he's talking about holiday sales. Yeah. So I wonder if we'll see Fuego since the Firebirds are going to start up here. If we're going to get a dose of him, I mean, I don't know why we wouldn't. Right? Yeah. We almost have to. A dose of fuego. Wherever those games are being played. Yeah, but I, I don't know if the bird will fly north for a winter. <laughs> Especially a desert bird that rises yeah, well, if, from... If he gets on a plane, yeah. you know, there's no problem. That's plane. true. I mean, it happens. Birds get okay. into planes sometimes. How confusing would that be if you were actually a bird and you somehow like got into a plane and you're like, <laughs> right? And then you it's get out north. of there and you're like, oh, uh, like you <laughs> end up in a totally different location. Ah, I, we're off the rails. Yeah. It happens, you know, 200 yeah. episodes in, it still yeah. happens on occasion. Still ironing it out. Riley Sheehan has gone back to the Buffalo Sabres. We had a question about him, I think, two weeks ago in the mailbag, kind of what happened to him. He was a UFA, uh, so he returned back to a team that he played for previously. Uh, it's a two-way deal worth 950 k at the NHL level. I don't love that for him, right? The fact that it's a two-way deal. I mean, last year with the Kraken, he at least was on a one-way deal. Oh, well, was he on he a one-way sent deal? Down. He was on a one-way deal, right. but he was sent down. Right. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with waivers, though, right? It just means that he might get paid less if he goes to the That's AHL. Right. That's right. I think it's highly likely he could be playing or spending significant time in the AHL Because Buffalo, they're so stacked right now. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know. But, yeah. uh, I, you know, I'm rooting for him. He, nice he kind of serviceable, kind of stepped in and... You know, it seemed like he wanted to play here, so yep. I appreciated him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of players signing elsewhere, Derek Pouliot, he we hardly knew ye. Yeah. played just a few games with the Kraken. He's signed with the San Jose Barracuda. Andy's favorite player of all time. Uh huh. Yeah, he was formerly the eighth overall pick in the NHL draft. That's by right, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Think, People forget. But Shahan this, was also this, first rounder. With so. him officially off the roster now. Mm-hmm. We've avoided the number controversy because he, Ooh, wore, he wore number 51 last That's year. That's right. And Shane Wright. And that's Shane Wright's number now. <sighs> Maybe that's why they didn't resign weird, him. Like, <laughs> He's a genius. It? Curtis had some mind-blowing thing about 51 because he was like, five, oh, five, one was the day that the Kraken lost to the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets, yeah. which put them into the fourth spot, which gave them Shane Wright. So um, anyway, yeah, great point there, avoiding the number controversy. I was thank about thank that God. Was. Thank God. Yeah. I was up at nights thinking about, you know, what Shane Wright was going to have to give right. Derek Pouliot Pulat. to get the right. number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, you wrote an interesting story this week about the Kraken on soundofhockey.com. Everybody go check it out. Uh, check out soundofhockey.com regularly if you're not, because we put up some great content there. And sometimes I wonder if people on our podcast are also reading the website and vice versa. We, yeah. We're not sure about the Venn diagram. Right. Yeah. Right. Somebody needs to draw one for us to tell us. <laughs> And I'll then put pull, I'll pull the data. Yeah, put every single listener and every single website reader on the Venn diagram, please, so yeah, we can understand who the crossover is. Based then, on how much they read, too. Yes. Yeah. And then we can and target I, the people that aren't in the middle to try to move them to the My middle. guess would be that it's not a complete circle, that Venn diagram. That there is some people I can who only, almost guarantee only that, either maybe. listen yeah. or only go yeah. to the site. Yeah. yeah. See, me personally, I'm actually outside of the diagram completely because I neither listen nor read any of it. Uh. I'm just not interested. I don't. I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, John, what did you write about? <laughs> okay. So, 
This is actually, uh, I'm going to set it up a little bit. It's going back. It was a third part in a three-part series. Mm -hmm. And it was basically, what does the Kraken have to do to become a playoff contender? And what I did is I looked at historical data. And it's very, very uh, simple analysis. And it's basically teams that are a minus five goal differential, uh, minus empty nets both ways. So taking empty nets out. If you're a minus five goal differential for the year you those teams in that kind of range have a 50 percent chance of making the playoffs okay and by goal differential you mean five goals fewer scored than you've given up for the season right that's correct okay. yeah so, so if you're above that threshold you have a 50 yeah. percent chance yeah. of making the playoffs that's okay. right that's and right. so where did the kraken fall <laughs> prior to well prior to the oliver bjorkstrand trend. so prior to the entry draft mm-hmm. and and based on who was on the on the team at the time it was about a, a negative 55 okay uh, goal differential that sounds bad sounds bad right but they but, were losing players right and, and they lo- they yeah. got rid of people at the trade deadline mm-hmm. so theoretically they would need to add 50 goals scored by a combination of three players two forwards and, and one defense based on the roster mm-hmm. projection on who what spots are available okay then then what happens is they don't uh, qualify some of those players. We've already been over that. So at the time, it was Donato. Uh, Daniel Sprong scored quite a few goals. And mm-hmm. Hayden Flurry, which wasn't really expected to score a lot of goals. So all of a sudden, we're like negative 76 goals mm. before the draft. So the draft happens. You get Shane Wright. And then free agency opens. You got Burakoski. Then you have Bjorkstrand. And then you re-sign Donato. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you put all that back into the model that... I literally did two months ago, and they're about projected at a, at a negative seven goal differential. And that's with goaltending improving marginally, right? That's still- right. I did assume mar- not average goaltending, but uh, improvement from last year, which mm-hmm. was well below average. Yeah. And I think there's potential for them to be the goaltending to be better. Yeah. And obviously, better be than worse. average. Yeah, yeah. Better than, or just average. Right. Which would be more. So, which would cut down their overall differential number. That's correct. That's exactly right. So, all of a sudden, as much as I want to lower expectations, it's like they have a shot, right? Like getting into the yeah, playoff. based based a, on a some a very simple logic, and we knew it, right? Because we well, we didn't. I wouldn't say we knew it, but we talked about needing two goal scorers. Mm-hmm. And and remember, after the first week of free agency, we're like, well, they added one, yeah, and then Bjorkstrand comes into play. So I I'm still not there, getting super excited, but I wanted to know what you guys thought. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting to hear the numbers, and I think we talk about this a little bit with Allison in just a moment here. But um, you know, I think yeah, I think that they're a bubble playoff team. Like that's what I think they're going to be. Uh, I think they're kind of a middling club, right? I think their next season with the draft is going to be a little tougher. They're still going to have a ton of draft capital, assuming they don't trade it all away. But I don't see that happening. But it's not going to be like they're going to have a lottery pick next season, right? Is is my thought on what's going to happen? Um, that's not a great place to be in. But you do have to eventually move up, right, and start getting better, and then your draft picks get worse, and that's just kind of how that process works. So um, I, I think you're spot on. Like, I, it's it's funny because that's exactly where I imagine them being is kind of like a team that's kind of fighting for a spot, but you're not really sure. So to have some sort of numerical data to back that up, I think is is pretty interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot that could go right, a lot could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I think I said it at the end of the article is if if they're playing meaningful games in March, early March, 
and like with an outside shot, I I'm will be more than ecstatic about that, right? Because yeah. that's progress, particularly with the cornerstone centers that they have on the team in their essentially their first pro year. It mm-hmm. is their first pro year, mm-hmm. so. Anyway, check it out. Let me know your thoughts. It's it's not intended to be this elaborate model, but even those can be way off because we all know some of them projected the Kraken would make the playoffs last year. So yeah. <laughs> so why why go through all that work and just do a simple model? So that's that was my take. Right. I feel like I'm right back at that spot that we were last year. Like if they're playing meaningful games in March, that's what I thought yeah, last I'll be year. Happy. Yeah, happy. Yeah. Then that's going to be pretty good. Yeah. So hopefully this is the year that that actually happens. And you know, you never know, right? Like some bounces go their way, some things go their way, some players, a guy or two plays above their head for a year. Yeah. It, it could happen. It's not yep. out of the possibility. Oh, what the f***? I'm just testing out our new bleep horn. You guys have scared looks on your faces, but... <laughs> was that the surprise? That was the f- surprise, yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd like at least ask a question or something. That was kind of bad radio because I thought you'd be like, oh no, what happened, right? But you didn't say anything. I was looking you at you to say... I was waiting for you to explain what happened. I thought silence. you were like, oh, I forgot to hit record. Yeah. I don't think we've ever... Have we ever done that? We've screwed up some things a few times over the years, but... I think we've got like 10 minutes in where we had to kind of go. That's uh, true. Let's, uh, yeah. let's, revert. those things have happened. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's Mistakes get to happen. our first of two interviews. This one is with Allison Lucan, who we had her back on episode 27 and also episode 163. So if you ever want to go back and listen to those episodes and hear more from her, you can. Uh, you also can read about her. We did a story, well, I did a story on her on soundofhockey.com called Be Allison back on March 22nd. So look that up. Here she is. The woman, the myth, the legend, Allison Lucan. We now welcome back onto Sound of Hockey, our very good friend, and who else could we have for episode 200 than the great Allison Lucan. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we're very excited to have you back. I'm just so honored. I was just telling you guys I was listening to 199 and I had was crafting my my audio message to leave on the <laughs> on the one whatever sound OH and then then I got the invite. So thank you very much. It's a big pleasure. Great. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, I, I know you haven't been super busy here these last few weeks, no. right? You haven't been doing anything interesting at all, correct? Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. I uh, hiked I, for those who didn't see. I hiked. I backpacked for 55 miles over eight days um, wow. in the wilderness. I highly recommend Wind River Range if people have been. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been. Um, and then it was a really smart idea to then go ride a bike uh, to raise money <laughs> for cancer research on Saturday for many, 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 many miles as well in increasingly ridiculous humidity. So yeah. we're just happy we're alive. How far was that bike ride? That was 100. Oh, so, that's yeah. not and it's in one day. Yeah. Yeah, that's not nothing. How are you feeling? Yeah. How are you? The, how are the legs? Uh, they're okay. They're, uh, <laughs> there's all we can talk offline about all, all the issues that came out of all this. <laughs> Ooh, this sounds, <laughs> sounds spicy. <laughs> the uh, listeners don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know what the listeners might care about though. I, I know you, like you just said, you're raising money for cancer research. Is there a way for them to donate if they if they still want to? Well, that that's very kind. Um, it's an event that is uh, centered in in my former hometown of Columbus, Ohio, uh, ah. called Pelotonia. You can search for my name there if you do feel inspired. But if not, just do something nice, make a difference in someone's day, and that would be equally as much of an impact um, as giving a donation. There's also a link on her Twitter profile. Oh, just look is. for the the wrist picture, and yeah. and there's a link. So yeah. oh, thank there you. Go. It's a little easier than searching. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm sure uh, people are not here to to listen to. Um, yeah, sorry. Our, our listeners are dropping, plummeting no, by the second. No, come on. Uh, but I do uh, <laughs> want us to talk a little bit of Kraken news uh, because last time we had you on, uh, we were, I think the situation was the Kraken, we were starting to realize that they were going to have a bad inaugural season. And yes. we kind of had you on to talk them off the ledge. Now yeah, we're starting to go well, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, now it did temporarily, right? <laughs> we're we're starting to sense though that uh, the optimism has picked up again here in the in the off season, and I think uh, you know the three of us might be semi guilty of helping to fuel that optimism because they've made some really shrewd moves, I think. But so I, we kind of want you to do the opposite this time, just level set our expectations. What can we what can we expect this season for the Kraken, Allison? So, so as someone who works for the organization, I'm supposed to say bad things now about yeah. the organization? That's okay. Perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. That's yeah, I never good. thought about that. Of all my yeah. bosses, please turn this off now. No, okay. <laughs> no, no one I listens. Mean, Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, listen, I think this was a very, very successful summer for the organization. But yeah. what, and you guys have talked about this. And I think what's important to remember is that success this summer doesn't necessarily mean immediate results. And I think that's the right way to do this too. I mean, these are, to be an organization that now has landed two very young, top tier, we believe, centermen for the near future of the franchise is huge. I mean, these are players that teams dream of landing, but they're young. Um, And, you know, a lot of the other talent that we saw, you know, we were all at dev camp and we saw, I mean, these are players that need to round out physically, round out skill-wise in some cases. It was a successful summer, but this is an organization that is building, and that's how you should build a long-standing winning team. I mean, look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Like they didn't, they didn't take the Vegas route; they took the drafting Crosby and Malkin route and building an organization around that. So, I would say, particularly in the division, and you guys talked about this in one of the mailbag episodes lately. You know, the division is also a factor here in terms of who they're. They're beating up against in terms of trying to get into the postseason, which is the next big step, of course. Um, we may not be there yet, but I think we're going to see an improved team. And we just need to understand that this improvement is going to come in steps year over year. So I'm not going to say bad things, but I'm going to say we have to believe <laughs> that this is a growing process that rightly will take time. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're spot on there. And I think what I like about the moves this year is I think that we we will see a team that's much, much more competitive, right? I think they have a chance at making the playoffs. I don't think they're close to being a cup contender yet, but I think that there's like a really nice balance of some good veteran players that are going to make them compete now. And then there's going to like, there's some future there that are going to be true star players. And I think like you just said, give them some time. I think they're on the road to being true cup contenders, but um, it's going to take time. And so this year, get excited because I think it's going to be way more fun to watch than it was last year. And last year was super fun to watch despite a lot of losing. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, whether or not they're going to be like the team that makes it, makes it to the playoffs and makes noise seems like something that's a little, maybe still a little far-fetched, but um, they definitely made some some good steps this season. So Yeah, like for it. sure. And And, you know, too, I mean, it's one of the things we were talking about when I was on is, listen, the goaltending is going to rebound. It has to. There's Mm -hmm. just no sense in what happened in this in this one year for either player. And and now there's that variable of Chris Drieger being out. Obviously, that's unique. If someone if you had one bad day, do you want someone to judge you by one bad day or the totality of a week or a month? And this has been a bad year for Phil. Um, But I think that it it, literally mathematically, it has to get better. (laughs) There's no way. (laughs) Yeah. 
So um, obviously we we were following the draft. We loved how that that panned out for the Kraken. Mm-hmm. And then um, free agency, we loved the Burakovsky signing, loved it. But it wasn't really until Oliver trade that it really, to me, hit the tipping point where like, hmm, this is really compelling. It's And we're starting, and that's where those kind of elevated expectations started to happen. And you covered, obviously, Bjorkstrand a lot in Columbus, uh, in your days in Columbus. What 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 can you tell fans about about him and what to expect from him? Yeah, I mean, this is for literally years. Um, we were be- beating the drum for this player in Columbus as one of the most underrated players in the game. Um, and I wrote on him for the website. Uh, everyone wrote on him on, for all their sites, of course. But, you know, what's really interesting to me about him is that he obviously played with Artemi Panarin while he was in Columbus. And Bjork Strain, you guys talked about this. He's always had that release. That's his biggest, most dangerous element of his game. But he's a slight player and, and he's built that way and he's going to stay that way. But he wasn't really, you know, tenacious with the puck. He didn't have that ability to kind of have the puck on a string. He got it. He could release it. But that was kind of his his thing. And he's a little bit streaky in that as well as a lot of players are. He just watched Artemi Panarin. The two didn't talk a lot. Not that they didn't like each other or whatever. But when Panarin was gone, Oliver told us, he said, I'm not going to talk about this a ton. Artemi's gone. I'm not going to talk about him. But I did watch him to see what he did to keep control of the puck. And that was the year that his game took off. <laughs> and he really brought that. There's a, if nothing else, there's a clip that is still my very favorite Oliver Bjorkstrand goal that's in um, the article I wrote on the Kraken website, where it's not his ability to finish, but it's a, it's his ability to outbody his opponent contain the puck, maintain possession of the puck, get around the opponent, and then get the goal. And I think that's where he's really rounded out his game. And the sneaky good thing about him and why I think he's going to fit into the Kraken so well is what what people have been just, if you look at sites like Evolving Hockey and other hockey minds, yeah, they'll talk about his offense, but he's one of the strongest defensive forwards in the game. It's incredible what he does defensively in terms of turning the game around, getting the puck away from opponents or preventing them from doing something and driving play the other way. So I was literally jumping up and down when this move happened because it was brilliant (laughs) by the front office team. This is exactly what we heard they wanted to do was weaponize that cap space. And this player, big, 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 unabashed fan, big fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we kind of are too. I mean, we followed him, you know, because he's from Portland and, you know, I've seen him down in Columbus for the years and he's just got a nasty shot. And there's like, how did they pull that off? And and you're right. We've heard about this weaponized the cap space. And even the pod before it got announced, I was like, you got to use it, right? Yeah. You got to use it. And so, boom, use it and get a third and a fourth, which is almost free, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, those those picks aren't really uh, big ones. So anyway, we're obviously excited, but we're trying to lower our expectations and you're not doing a good job of it. Okay? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm more, more amped <laughs> so, now than I was right. before. You yeah. Got here, so so but again, um, anyway, yeah. getting better is great. I mean, that's, you know, it's, and, and this is why, you know, we do watch other hockey at other levels, world juniors, things like this. This is why we should watch the Stanley cup final, even if the team you follow is in it is you see there's still room to make up, but again, the progression is there for the Kraken, and I I love it. Yeah, I yeah, so psyched after that move. I was just so excited. So, but one thing I wanted to was wondering on a personal level, what are you excited about next year? Right, not so much from a team perspective, but but what about what does Allison want uh, excited about <laughs> next year? Well, Oliver Bjorkstrand. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I mean, I think I think that it's going to be a, I think this is going to be a really great season in the sense that um, and for those of us who've been around the game it, at any level, we know that usually there's so much more that can happen in terms of connecting with the team, both with what they're doing on the ice and who they are as players. And COVID really put up some barriers, yeah. particularly for a first year team that um, I mean, you guys did a great job getting players on your show from time to time, but we really didn't get to, we weren't in the room with these guys. We didn't get to pick up little nuances and little neat details. I think this year is going to be a great season for that and for just deepening the connection with this organization, with the community, with the players. I think from a broadcast perspective, we we now know what we're doing, we think. So <laughs> we're going to be able to, to do some more interesting things and be even better from that perspective as well. So I'm just, I'm really excited that we're no longer drinking from a fire hose. Now we start to get into that routine. And I think really start to be wholly and richly uh, what the Kraken can be in, in all aspects. And then, so do you think outside of Bjorkstrand, what, what should the fans be most excited about next year? I mean, it, you talked about the engagement with the community, which uh, I love because, you know, that's going to ignite fandom, right? Everywhere. But what what else should the fans be excited about this next coming season? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think that, you know, when Ron has said this in press conferences, he's no excuses for last season, but there's also very valid reason to see why the circumstances of last year, COVID, the breakout even before game one, had this team stuttering, right? And I think we're going to see there are some changes in the lineup. Of course, we know this, but we're going to start to see what it looks like when players really do get to start to know each other a little better and maybe feel more comfortable in their roles. And I think there's hopefully going to be less of a feeling out process. There's going to start to be truly an identity form and you know, Yanni Gord said to us in exit interviews, he said, you know, when he talks to players from other teams, he's like, you know, you can look at the Kraken's record and where they were in the standings and think, oh, this is, you know, an easy game I'm going into. And it was re- always really, really hard. To, other players would tell Yanni that the, the Kraken were always really, really, really hard to play against. Um, and I think that now they're going to be able to build on that. And again, hopefully some of those, as we know, we watched some of those games that we know were closer than what the score ultimately showed, start to tip the other way because this team is a little bit more unified, a little bit more coalesced than they were last year. Well, and they were, I mean, they played their most consistent hockey after the trade deadline, right? And that was where people were like, holy crap, they just trade around. I think they trade, what, six players away? And I think all of them were regulars. And it was like, well, now what are they going to do? And they (laughs) oddly got better after that. So I I think there's something to be said there. You know, I think they got the core players there that they wanted. And, you know, I think they were probably getting more comfortable with the systems and more, um, more of a belief that they could play that way and win that way. And so, um, yeah, I think you, you build on something that they have built on now for a season and you add in some more offensive talent, which they've done. Could be, could be a nice improvement. You might be right there. We'll see. We'll try. I will say, you know, this is, this is something the Kraken have to do. Well, let's go back to managing expectations. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to play your best when the pressure's off, when the trade deadline has passed and everything's settled. And, you know, this is this is the kind of stuff that you hear coaches talk about when they say, learn how to win, is you have to be able to perform when the pressure's on. You have to be able to perform when the expectations step up, step up, step up. So they were great after the trade deadline, but they can't only be great after the trade deadline. <laughs> Well, getting back to the broadcast, which you mentioned, uh, we all enjoyed your contributions to the to the studio uh, show on route there. Uh, but then you got you got to step in to do some color commentary during the game when when JT Brown went down with COVID. When you hear he goes down with COVID, you automatically think, oh, well, they're going to ask me. Uh, and what was that experience like uh, calling that game? 
<laughs> well, I did not think that. Um, <laughs> uh, that was not my thought. I my thought is probably not arable on on this show. Um, but, we have a beep uh, horn. Yeah. <laughs> my thought was holy beep. Yeah. Um, but it was you know what it, it was really really cool. Um, I got to call four games with John Forslund, who, as we all know, is a legend. Um, we are so lucky to have him. And I think that after the first couple games, I really was able to take it in and appreciate the opportunity for what it was. Like, it was just amazing. And it, you know, we talk about how this organization likes to do things first class. And I was just blown away as I started to realize, you know, and Darren wrote such a nice piece. Thank you, Darren, about this. But I was blown away by the caliber of people that I got to work with who helped me make it through that. Cause I didn't know what the nice. heck I was doing. Um, I, you know, I, again, I'd never been on TV before last year. So from John Forslund to the producers, to the stage managers, to people at root, to people at the Kraken, to fans, to everyone. I mean, just the support and the help and the on the fly training, um, people even putting up with me telling Chuck Norris jokes, um, <laughs> was, uh, was, was really the secret to any success that happened there. And there was too many men in Carolina. That was pretty nice. That yes, was pretty which, sweet. Yeah. Which which became the rejuvenation of the show. We were like, we have to come back, guys. We have to come back. So that was that pretty slippery there. How you yeah. got that in there? That was pretty nice. It was how, meant to be. Yeah. How does how does broadcasting NHL game live compare to to all the things you've done compared to being on this podcast? Ooh, good question. Whoa, whoa, what's so funny? I didn't there? see that coming. I what didn't see is that coming. So funny there, <laughs> Andy, with the hard hitting question. Um, you know, I I, uh, I I worry less about how my answers are going to land on the show because because I can see your reaction versus some on the fly commentary on air. Um, but they are both equally high points in my opinion. Ah, okay, nice. Oh, uh, wow. I am curious about that game. Uh, did you find at all? I mean, you've you've mostly been a writer. And did you find at all that the game that maybe for the first period was moving super fast? You know, I didn't find that it was moving super fast. What I found was, you know, and it's it's funny, you don't realize how much stuff you're supposed to comment on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it wasn't I was already kind of I've already started to learn to think faster um, doing my usual job on pre and post and intermissions. So you are thinking a little faster. And Darren and I were laughing about the was it was it Adam Larson's assist I got wrong in Carolina? Uh, yeah, well, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you, you gave the wrong name. And then Forsen right. was like, well, that's that's not Adam Larson. That's Mark Giordano or something <laughs> like that. Like, you are correct, yeah. John Forsen. That is exactly right. So. <laughs> but you know, you, so there is a little bit more on the fly. But no, I mean, it, it's it wasn't too fast. You just, it's funny. You even what, now being on this side of the table, when you watch a game now, you don't realize all the times, like the first couple times where there was a clear prompt, they're like, and Allison here. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even realize I talk now. Like, you don't realize how many mm. times you have to jump in or say something and then sometimes you have things you want to say and there just isn't a window because play is happening so <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's a little bit on both sides uh here sorry i was getting a text <laughs> oh we see how engaging yeah. i am andy keep that in please oh, yeah. that in. Do not edit that sorry out. it was an important <laughs> text uh, so speaking of the broadcast we've seen reports that uh, eddie olchek is going to be joining the root team this year we haven't seen the particulars from the team yet but uh do you have a scoop for us on that or or uh, what are your thoughts on him Working with Eddie and, and that whole Eddie, John, Forsen combo. I have no scoop for you. Oh, um, oh. I have no scoop for you. Um, <laughs> I will I will leave any announcements to official channels, but I would say that as a general rule, 
Um, Eddie O is again, one of the highest caliber people um, in, in the job, in the profession. And um, I've learned so much and learned so much from JT and John already. I mean, we have, and you guys know this from being at practice and stuff. We learned so much just ba bantering around ideas and they're so mm -hmm. giving with their opinions and thoughts. I think that any other great mind would, would only make us better. And, and if that's Eddie, that's great. And if it's not Eddie, I think Eddie will continue to be great at whatever he does. You know, you're spot on with that. I I got to sit next to JT for almost the entire, I think it was the Tampa Bay game at home because uh, they weren't covering that that night. And just like listening to him talk about it, it's just like, it's so different to hear, you know, I mean, I played hockey my whole life, but like he just sees it so differently from how I see it having played at that level. Um, and he's like, you know, look, here's, here's, he's telling me like, here's why, the Tampa Bay Lightning are so good. Like, look how quickly he's on that player, right? And it's just little things like that throughout the game. Where you're like, wow, these guys, like, it's it's brilliant what they're able to bring. And um, you know, I think you're a, you're a great addition to that as too as well. You're you're just such a different perspective, and it's so so interesting to sit and listen and talk to those people. So it's pretty cool. I mean, the the team that's been built out on Root Sports. I mean, it's it's just fantastic. I think it's it's got to be up there among the best in the whole league already, which is incredible. Number two, yeah. ranked by the athletic right. readers. Thank uh, you, athletic who readers. Did they, who did they give number one to? <laughs> Detroit. Ah, Detroit. Okay. Who, who I actually, I actually do enjoy Detroit. I also enjoy Buffalo. Mm. Um, so I think it's, again, I think it's a huge honor that that happened. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're about to wrap up here. Just a couple of kind of quick ones. Curious what your bold predictions are for the Kraken this season. Are there any... Uh, maybe individuals that might have a breakout or maybe a rebound or something like that. You mentioned Grubauer, but that's that's too easy of an answer, so don't do that one. Um, let's see. What do <laughs> I think? Um, bold prediction. Let's go with Yanni Gord doesn't play center the whole season. Okay. Oh. I like that. Um, Why? And Why? I just think they'll play around with some different combinations. I just do i don't know um mm -hmm. <laughs> well i think i think they need to make a spot for shane wright and we were well, talking yeah. about this last week that we kind of are of the belief that it's better just to leave him at center and let him develop for there 100 totally um agree. and so if you look at it right like then where are you putting yanni if he's playing center because you already have you figure Beneers has one of the top two spots you yeah. figure wenberg probably has one of the top two spots yeah. um and then his is Wright going to be the third line center or is Gord going to be, you know, you're not going to put Gord on right. the fourth line. So right. yeah, I think you're onto something there. Okay. What so else? That's, uh, how many do I have to have? To uh, this, this is I don't know. As many as you want to give. Um, 15. <laughs> yeah. 200. 200 in honor of episode 200, please. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do I think? I think that... Oliver Bjorkstrand, oh, I'm, I hate saying this, will lead the Kraken in goals. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, like I don't that. think that's that big of a stretch, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to jinx. It's that kind right, of right, 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 no. um, right. Let's see. And um, I think that, let's see, who do we have slated currently to quarterback the power play? Vince? No. Who do we think? Yeah. Vince? Yeah. I think probably Vince. Yep. Um. Let's say that Vince, this is a good thing, so I'm not pooping on Vince. Let's say Vince is the PP1 QB for only about 60% of power play time. Okay. All right. And what's just, your reasoning on what's your reasoning? I don't know. One? I'm just trying to come with something crazy. Oh, that's all. Okay. That's it. All right. Well, well noted. Good stuff. So uh, I do believe I mentioned Gord on the wing last week, by the mm. way, for the oh. record, for the record. Okay. So 
because I, I I was kind of probably the same logic. So it's not like really going out on a limb, but it's it's like really knowing the lines really well. So, but you know, I know you you probably have a good pulse on the league at large, and I was wondering if you have any kind of bold predictions or things to keep an eye on, whether it be because of mm-hmm. offseason moves or or changes of the guard. Any anything across the league that you're excited about or intrigued about? And why is it that Torts is back in Philadelphia? <laughs> Listen, John Tortorella in the NHL is a good thing. You guys know. Oh, we know. We know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> pro, a pro Tortorella podcast. That yeah. jerk blew off the draft. I was waiting to go see him. He told he texted me and said he'd be there, and then he didn't end up showing. So ah, he owes bummer. he owes uh, me a, he owes oh. me a hug. That man. Bummer. I hey, by the way, John and Andy, I've already requested an introduction when the Flyers come to Seattle. So from oh, okay. Allison. Oh, I was going to say, let's oh, all yeah. get some beers with him. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> I don't, I don't, he's into no. that. Yeah. No. No, but here's the problem, though. Here, here's what really stinks. I'll tell you this. I'm really upset with the schedule makers because oh. the Allison Bowl, which is the Blue Jackets yeah. Kraken, sure. is January 29th, which is mm-hmm. the last game before the All-Star break. So everyone's going to be getting out of Dodge. And the Blue Jackets are in Vancouver the night before. Oh. And it's right around my birthday. So I was all excited to have this oh my big gosh. thing. And now there will be nothing. Can you just get them to change it? I should call. I should yeah. call. <laughs> yes. Yes. Use the There's line. Don't you know? know? Don't you know who I am? Schedule. Yeah, schedule. We all <laughs> And then the other Allison Bowl isn't until March, and that's going to be the Oliver Bowl because it'll be his first return to Nationwide Arena. Da 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 da. He's going to um, steal your thunder. That's ridiculous. Sure. Yep. I mean, who is this guy? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> who's he thinking? Uh, no, my bold prediction. I have said this for a while, and I think what I'm really watching is the continued impact of these last two COVID shortened seasons. Um, I think that we didn't pay attention enough. I probably could go look at this if I wanted to, or John, you can do it with your data skills. Um, okay. What What was the impact of now going back to an 82 game season after two shortened seasons on existing NHL players? And then what I'm really interested to watch is, are we going to see an impact in the development curve of the babies coming in mm. because of the impact of COVID? I just think it's going to be, I mean, we we heard, you know, the whole like people who didn't play in the OHL, obviously, you know, oh, la, 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 now they suck, whatever. Let's not think logically <laughs> ever, apparently. Yeah. Um, but I'm really interested to see the continued impact of that. And what I said about, you know, you always hear the copycat, it's a copycat league. So who wins the cup? Everyone does that. It's really interesting because the abs in many ways, in my opinion, are building the way that we hinted at the Kraken are and that they're they're building from within, they're getting talent through the draft, they're developing it, and then they're augmenting with very specific, very high-level talent to push for that championship. Mm-hmm. Tampa's been a little bit different now, right, where they're churning because of cap issues. So I am interested to see, this is like, you know, when the Blues won, right, it was all about big defenders. We all need big defenders yep. now. Like, there isn't this clear message coming out of this year's championship yet. So what do teams do, particularly in a cap strap time, that they say they've learned from the Avs, with a lot of us still saying, including myself, that I don't think Tampa's done yet either. So what are the lessons we learned from this championship? What are the new trends and ripples we see? That's what I want to watch for. Yeah. That's good stuff. Now, I it's funny because you talked about the impact of the COVID seasons. We can't even really look at last year as a good proxy either. We're not technically back to 82 because we had so many kind of going into protocols and we had this. So from a data perspective, I have a hard time like saying this is a normal season, right? When I True, look at agree, it. agree. Um, so I think that is interesting. And I love the concept of the, the OHL kind of impacts and impacted COVID season. I think I think that's why, in a way, you know, maybe like 
we're seeing like Ryan Winterton and some of those guys that are probably doing better than than people expected because at the time they were evaluating on a very, very, very small sample size or whatever. So, um, and I think Shane Wright could be in that category as well, right? Where, you know, he didn't play the season before. And so you're all of a sudden saying, oh, his, his draft year should be a lot better. Or should be that, I mean, he still was drafted fourth overall. So it's not like- Was he? Or so. <laughs> we've, we've heard we've heard that so, so i mean People as much say. as like oh my gosh he dropped he's like dropped three positions like let's not let's not overreact here so i think that's very interesting stuff and uh yeah maybe uh we can compare some notes because i've got some thoughts on the on the, the former one so it'd be perfect fun. Yeah. that would be fun okay all right last topic we haven't touched on with you is uh johnny goudreau signing with yes. columbus uh so when the yes. news broke you were standing next to me, and I think Andy was there too. And you said some similar <laughs> obscenities to what you said earlier. Um, we don't need to repeat it. Obviously, it's a family program. But uh, yeah, so what were your what were your thoughts on that when you saw that happen? And uh, you, you did seem pretty shocked. Were you? Uh, I mean, you couldn't have been expecting that, right? No, I mean, I was shocked. And you know, first and foremost, I want to say I'm really happy for. The Columbus organization and the Columbus fans. This is something that has been very important to them. That's a market that takes a lot of hits by a lot of people who've never been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just really, really happy, uh, particularly when they've the narrative has been no, no big time talent wants to stay there, that someone chose them. And I'm really happy for general manager Yarmo Kekalainen for that. He's something he's really fought for. All that being said, yes, it shocked me. But when you look at the narrative of the situation, then it actually made sense. You needed a team that had the cap space. We all believe we know that the player didn't want to play in the West, which is his prerogative to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, honestly, I mean, it's, and, and I have been to New Jersey with respect. Um, <laughs> Columbus is Columbus is a little bit more family friendly than yeah. New Jersey might be. And, and, you know, there is such a thing as being too close to family too. And, and I don't know ah. Johnny Gaudreau at all, but just throwing that out there. Is, is he coming a little bit before the window is really open for Columbus? I think so. Hmm. Um, if the cap situation was different in the league, would it still have been Columbus? I don't know. But I do think the player wants to be there, and I think it's really exciting. And, and I'm just really happy for them. And it'll be fascinating because, again, I think it's it's coming a little earlier than maybe in an ideal world it would have been designed to do. Um, so how does this team formulate itself and attack its its plans to be competitive on the ice in the way they want to be with so much young talent that they're developing? And then freaking Johnny Gaudreau. So yeah. we'll see. Well, I'm I'm thankful that they did it because that e- effectively put them over the cap, which meant the Kraken got Oliver Bjorkstrand. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I said it's sure. the best gift Columbus has ever given me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, Allison, thank you very much. Uh, you remain one of our favorite people in the world, and we we really appreciate you coming on for episode 200. Uh, obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on you this season, and we'll be in touch. So, um, thank you very much for doing this, and uh, best of luck raising money and and hiking and biking and whatever other wild activities you're doing here for the rest of the summer. Well, thank you guys for having me. And on a serious note, you three are three of my favorites. Um, We've been in touch even before the Kraken existed. And I'm just so impressed with the work that you guys do and continue to do. This is a great show. I listen to every single episode. I send you all DMs. Um, but I do. I appreciate you. Congratulations. This You are putting out <laughs> such quality work and you you deserve every accolade and opportunity you're getting. Uh, great stuff. Keep it up. Let's see 200 more. Thank Thanks. you. Awesome. Wow. Thank you. All right. Thank you again, Allison, for joining us she's, again. She's technically <laughs> tied for the best friend of the pod. Uh, yeah, because we had have we had Chris on three times. Chris yeah. Peters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tied. So, well, 
that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I know, but next she, person, she is deserves it. Alone. She does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty cool also that she continues to listen to this podcast after all this time. So um, we we just genuinely uh, we we like her a lot, and we're really <laughs> thankful that she continues to. Uh, support and listen and come on our show. So um, let's jump back to a couple more voicemails. These ones are from Jeff and then Ben. Hey, it's Jeff Brown from Bring Back Our Sonics. Uh, I just want to say congratulations to John, Andy, and Darren for 200 episodes. That's pretty incredible. I met John many years ago working to get something done, get an arena done, and it's been awesome to kind of see it finally come to fruition. Uh, I had such a great time with my Blue Line season tickets and uh can't wait for next year and sound of hockey is kind of my go-to podcast for all things Kraken and just to learn more about hockey in general have a great one guys hey folks my name is ben longtime fan for sure started reading the uh, articles back in the nhl to seattle.com days and i've been listening to the podcast since day one um i didn't actually start following the nhl till 2013 so i'm a newer fan uh but shortly after that i stumbled on all the nhl to seattle stuff uh, it was really, really cool, really helpful seeing that there were not only a lot of other people out there that were uh, into hockey and following the NHL, but being able to quickly find, uh, I guess, a central authority for all the uh, articles, uh, the news, the happenings, anything going on with city council meetings to kind of see that, yes, there actually is some kind of traction, there is something happening to bring an NHL team here. Uh, which gave me a lot of hope and made for a completely wild ride. Uh, I do have to say, though, hands down, my favorite moment ever was uh, the early podcast days. Uh, it was episode three, about 10 minutes and 50 seconds in when you guys were talking about possible team names. Uh, Andy dropped the Seattle Hockey Guys, which was a solid choice. John stepped it up with a touch of class and gave us the Seattle HC. But then Darren really drove it home with, the crap weasels. Uh, in fact, that shook me so much that I don't remember how many months later it was, but it was either at uh, Henry's Tavern or the Queen Anne Beer Hall when the post-it notes were up to uh, write possible team names in. Even though I'd spell-checked right before multiple times, I was so excited I still wrote crap weasels down wrong. Uh, luckily, when my wife bought me my first crap weasel sweater years and years and years later, she spelled it correctly, so we do have some proper representation. Uh, love the show. Keep up the great work. Go crap weasels. All right. Thank you, Jeff and Ben. I, I think that might be Ben Wrangle. Yeah, it's true. Because he talks about that crap weasel sweater. There's somebody out there with a Seattle Kraken crap weasels sweater where it says crap weasels on the back. And yeah. I am certain that it's Ben yeah. Rangel because we've actually spoken to him about it. So, so and then real quick, I want to back up to Jeff Brown. Uh-huh. Um, Jeff Brown, he's from Bring Back the Sonics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I met him at a city council meeting. And a lot, Andy probably knows this, there's, there, there's a picture of Paul Buxton and I in that yeah, his city classic. council. Yeah. Uh, like forum, I'm wearing a Blackhawks jersey. He's wearing a Sharks jersey, and there's a sea of green behind me. But Jeff Brown is in that picture. Oh, and Jeff, okay, yeah. and it's, what's also cool is Jeff. His was he wearing a hockey a hockey something? No, 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 basketball. He's he's he all was still, okay. yeah. But his his season tickets is 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 a row behind me. Hmm. So I get to see him at games all the time um, too. But he's, you know, it, it's this constant in this journey for like ten years, and to see these people, and he writes some great coverage on the Seattle Storm. Um, Really 
love that guy anyway. So um, awesome to hear that he listens to this because I never knew. Uh, I don't know who listens to this sometimes <laughs> yeah. of the people I know. We, that's why we need the Venn diagram. You should reshare <laughs> that picture because it is kind of funny to look back at that picture now where we are now. Yeah. I mean, it's just two hockey jerseys in the sea of Sonic's gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's legend. Yeah. Uh, okay, now we're going to jump over to our interview with our friend Robert Cron. We had him on episode 137, which was last season. Uh, there's definitely some, I mean, we're going to allude to it a little bit here in the in the interview, but uh, there's, some, there's some good stuff that happened in that first interview as well. So if you never heard that one, go back and check it out. Here he is, Mr. Robert Cron. To admit it's getting better. We now welcome back onto Sound of Hockey, the director of amateur scouting for the Seattle Kraken, Mr. Robert Cron. Uh, we're going to skip the big long introduction here that uh, we normally would give since we, you know, we had you back on our show back on episode 137. Uh, we're very excited to have you back, Robert. Th- uh, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's a pleasure, always. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to be talking to you again. Uh, it's been a very busy summer for you. We know you're coming to us from Edmonton this morning uh, where you're prepping for the uh, the World Junior Championships. So um, we'll keep this relatively uh, close, but or relatively short, I mean. But uh, what, what else have you been up to here these last few weeks? It seems like you've been uh, kind of on the road quite a bit. Yeah, it's been busy. You know, it feels like uh, the season never really ended because from the draft, you know, going straight to Seattle for development camp and uh, seeing the players, you know, there. Uh, so I went home for, for a week or so and uh, we had the Hlinka Gretzky Cup uh, last week. So, it, you know, uh, it's been it's been kind of a never ending season and we're into another one again. But uh, big off season, big off yeah, season. A week. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah. Well, the funny thing is we were we were trying to line something up with you before the draft. And then I was like, well, that's that's not great timing. And, and uh, Ben at the Kraken was kind of like, maybe we try to do something after the draft. I'm like, you're right. That's way better. <laughs> so then I'm like, all right, we're past the draft. So now things have probably calmed down. And then I started to realize like where you probably were and what you were up to. And I was like, we may never talk to Robert again. So because <laughs> apparently it just keeps going, which I, I didn't quite uh, connect the dots there. Although I guess this year is a little unique with the world juniors uh, being in the summer. Um, but, you yeah. know, with this Linka Gretzky cup, that you just went to, I'm curious, it seemed like those games, Games were not all that competitive for the most part. I mean, you were seeing thirteen to zero games. Is like, are you really learning much from from games like that when the competition just isn't really there? Well, you always learn something, right? Obviously, you wanna you wanna see close games and competition being, being a little bit closer, really. And that that wasn't the case, especially like the, the Swiss team and the German team. They weren't very strong, and with the absence, uh, like it or not, with the absence of Russians, it's always you know a little different. Like they, you know, they they have good players. They have good teams, and and the Canada Russia games are always close. Czech Russia games are always good, uh, but there were still some good games, good players, and like I said, you learn everything from every, you know anything from everything. Uh, mm-hmm. to see guys play how they play in an easy game, hard game. So for me, uh, you know, yeah, you don't want to see the blowouts if the, if the game's over in the first period, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, so, and then I, I follow up to that with the Swiss and German teams, as you mentioned there. I mean, how, if there is like a star player on one of those teams, is it possible for them to even really get noticed in a tournament like that when their team is getting absolutely smoked? It is, but it's hard for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a player that stands out, like let's say Lutz last year for Germany was the, the only player on that team and they got smoked everywhere too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not, but you can tell if there's a player that kind of 
stands out, so to speak. But it's hard for one player to play against you know teams like Canada, Sweden, Finland. It, it really is impossible to do. But, yeah, definitely. But the the, the skill set usually these players they have something that that you know catches your eye right away. So yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have anything today. I mean, this, this <laughs> so then, how much weight then do you put into these earlier views of the 2023 prospects compared to uh, views you might give them later on, like in the middle of the season? Is this as important as those viewings? Or, um, I mean, how, how does this stack up? I'm going to go middle middle lane again. It's, every viewing is important, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to understand this is a summer hockey, so to speak. But at the same time, this tournament, actually, you get to see the, the best teams that these countries put up. Uh, Canada usually is, you know, is tied up with some players not being available at the end of the year. But and it gives you a benchmark. Like, you know, we go into the season with with kind of a knowledge because last year we had the opportunity to watch these underage kids that are the draft eligibles this year. So that they're players that we already saw before, mm-hmm. and it just kind of you know confirms or you know kind of. Or, you know, you see something, okay, did, did this guy play a little better last year? Let's see what he does. But puts them on the map, uh, kind of, you know, you, you have the ability to, to sort out who shapes up to be, you know, the better players and and who's more of that middle group and, and go forth. But uh, it is important. Uh, we like to see the players evolve, uh, positive or negative. That gives us another, you know, lens to kind of see, okay, so this guy's getting better, this guy's getting worse. And it presents a question why and we discussed it at the end of the year so yeah do you, do you guys get to go to the camps for some of these teams before the tournament starts and yeah. watch some of the preliminary games see the guys that maybe just missed the cut especially for that deep canada team yes we do yeah we had uh we had presence at that camp uh so we kind of it's funny like some of the players the reports are coming back they didn't perform well in the camp but they were great mm. at, the, at the tournament so mm. but like i said every 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 piece of information that you can collect uh, helps at the end and, and makes us feel a little bit, you know, that we've done our job. So, you know, we've, we've identified you're at World Juniors right now, and, and this is obviously a weird situation where it's in the middle of the summer. And that means most of the players are drafted already. So what's your approach to this World Juniors in August? Do you focus on the undrafted or are you still kind of keeping tabs on some of the players that might have been drafted for, few, for down the road? Yeah, I'm not here by myself. We got Dave Bisaggio here as well and Troy Bodie. So, you know, uh, for the drafted players that are already drafted, uh, we keep watching them. For me, not as close as the, the, the draft eligible ones, but there's still, you know, like Team Slovakia has four draft eligible kids that are going to be most likely in the top three rounds. You know, USA has the Sramel kid, the highly rated guy coming in, uh, obviously Connor Bedard, like, you know, projected uh, to be a top player. So there's enough for, you know, for us on the amateur side to, uh, side to see, and it's it's a good tournament for the young kids to be evaluated at. But we also have Dave Besaja, our director of pro scouting here, and and they're gonna keep tabs on the on the drafted players and and you know see where how they're developing and because we keep books on everybody, obviously going forward for potential trades and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. So are you confirming here and now that Connor Bedard is good? Yeah, I have to say that you know Uh-oh. there's something about the kid. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not af- I'm not afraid to go on record on this one. We all. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going on a limb, the discount might be actually good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know there was a lot of uh, excitement about the 2022 draft with the Kraken selections, but I want to go back to 2021 a bit. There were some skeptics a little bit, you know, like the media narratives or whatever, the analysts that were a little suspect of the draft. But, you know, if you look back at it now, it seems like their 2021-22 season, a lot of those draft picks kind of exceeded their their expectations. Do you think that's a, a fair assessment? Like that, and you probably are saying, yeah, we always thought they would be good. But at the same time, <laughs> have they exceeded expectations maybe more than than you even thought? I'd, I'd like to say they didn't, that we were so smart that we knew. <laughs> but it was a difficult year. Like you, you have to understand that that year was video scouting and uh, we didn't have the underage uh, viewings on these guys, reports, all that. So it, it took a little bit of a different approach. We had seen Marty Baneers, obviously, and that was that was a huge advantage to us to see him live in a, in a college environment. So we were kind of... I think that we can say that we kind of were hoping that he's and it, but hey, let's let's wait and see. It was it's it's very hard. He came in last, you know, uh, at the end of the season, did very well. It's going to be harder for him this time around for sure. People know who he is now, but but overall, even Riker Evans, it was a bit of a controversy, like you know, reaching up for him. So we'll you know, so far everything seems to be going the the right direction. Uh, Ryan Winterton, unfortunately, had the so- shoulder surgery, but. Uh, Again, he had a great season, and and you can go down the list. Even Villa Tavoin and you know Melanson, like we're, we're very happy with that class, uh, I, yeah. I think now. But again, like we're we're year one into it, and we gotta wait and see. But there's a potential that that that, that it worked out well, and and same with uh, this year's draft class. So. Well, yeah. Evans, I think Evans was probably the one that tipped the scales for a lot of those prognosticators that kind of proved that they haven't seen everybody right or haven't paid close enough attention because Riker Evans I mean he's he's been really really good and he looks like he could be com- competing for an NHL spot in the next year or two which I think is pretty cool and I'm, I'm curious like what did you guys see in him that those prognosticators missed well he was an overager like he was a guy that you know his birth, uh, birthday was a little you know kind of out there like he was second second year draft eligible but it was a late birthday as well and I think that we had the advantage. We had we have a really good, experienced scouting staff, and and uh, we were able to see him live in those bubbles where he played in Regina. He was always a good player. He was a little smaller growing up, but there was something about his game, you know, that we kept watching and watching him. And, and the skating is elite. You know, he competes hard. He's, he's a great kid, hardworking kid. Uh, you know, had a little bit of adversity growing up, being a smaller kid, and kind of proving people wrong. So I, I think it was it was a unique situation where the whole group felt very strong about Riker. And and we discussed, you know, he might be there later or not, but are we going to be disappointed if he's not there? And then we came to the conclusion that he, we, we would. And mm. uh, I don't know if we, I think that we took more of a risk than anybody else. And uh, I, I'd like, I like our staff for that and, and kudos to round two, like to, to listen to everybody and, 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 you know, being comfortable with uh, with the feedback he's getting from his scouting group, and hopefully you know he'll he'll keep going and and it, it will prove us right. But it's 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 early still, but it's it's yeah. very encouraging to see that you know it always feels good that you, when you when you see somebody performing the way you thought he, that they can. Yeah, it's almost as if uh, NHL scouts actually do know a little more than prognosticators that write things. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> we would like to hope so. Let's pretend we do. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, it's it's a little too early to write the book on the 2021 draft class. It's looking good so far. But, you know, maybe in your prior roles, is there a process for going back a few years and evaluating how you guys did uh, in the draft to maybe refine your process for future drafts? Like, do you reflect kind of on like a, a longer you know, like last five years or some, is there any kind of process there? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, we're, we do it every year. Like uh, we've done it already with our 22 class, 21 class. We, we do have, you know, our R&D department, you know, goes deep and uh, we evaluate everything because you want to learn if there's anything to learn from the process that we, you know, we did and get better that that's what we want to do. And yeah, we'd like to, you can't predict the future, right? It's really hard with any of these players, but you know, more information you gather and more you look back, you know, it's the process. It's the process that we do and what led us to this selection, right? And uh, if we can do something different, then, you know, we, we, we ask questions and, and we come to the conclusion, let's see, maybe we can tweak this or maybe, you know, this this worked out exactly the way we wanted it. And, but we do go back and look at that and kind of see if we could have done something different. So uh, we had you on the show a year ago. It was right after the U18s. And I think we asked you a question about the OHL players who didn't have a season and how that might have affected them. And you kind of joked that it didn't seem to affect Shane Wright at all, who had a very good <laughs> U18 tournament. Yeah. So when, when he when you start to see the scenario playing out this year that he might be there for you, what's, what's going through your mind? Well, I'm, I'm, I was really excited. I mean, I, I, there was some... Like Shane had a good season. Like let's let's look at these numbers and, and people expect a little bit more. Like this is a kid that, that's been on the on the headlines, mm-hmm. special status, young kid performing, like he's got a COVID year, and people expect it maybe a little bit more point wise and all that stuff. But it's just a great kid and special talent. And and for us, when we kind of started to think maybe there's an opportunity, we were just kind of hoping that it it's going to happen and he did and we were absolutely thrilled to get him at four because you know he's Shane Wright for us I think he's he's the best player in that group in my mind and again time will tell and you might come back five years but I hope I hope that he will show everybody that he is the best player and I think he's got he's going to get all the opportunity to do so it's up to him really but yeah you didn't directly say it, but you guys drafted second and fourth now in two years, and you kind of alluded to the fact that you were hoping Maddie would be available at number two last year. Then this yep. season, you get at the number four pick a guy who very well could have gone number one, and in your eyes, probably yep. should have gone number one. I mean, how how much of a I don't know what the right word is that I'm looking for here, but like how how great does that feel that you effectively could have in your eyes gotten the best player in each of the last two drafts, despite not having the top pick either year? It, it feels great. I mean, that that proves that if you manifest and uh, turn up to the universe to provide, <laughs> it does. <laughs> It, it didn't feel like you guys took too much time at the draft table to make that selection. Was that pretty much uh, oh, it was little done. discussion it was, there? There was, was zero discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should consider taking this right kid. He's still available. He does, doesn't look okay. He's okay. Yeah. Uh, with with that pick and Shane Wright, and his, how, did that impact what you did later on at all, knowing that you had that guy already you know, on your list? It did. Like I mean... 
how how can you go wrong if you have Shane right in the bag already, right? So, yeah. but no, it was it was it was great to get him. You kind of you're happy with that selection. You're happy the player that you wanted was there, and and you can kind of take a deep breath and and look at uh, what can you do the next day. And we went uh, without that with our four picks. We, we did exactly what we wanted to do. Uh, you know, we're very happy with the players that that fell to us, and I think that overall. Again, you know, let's be careful and see five years from now. But I think that, that worked out well, well for us. We're very happy with this draft class. Yeah. Were, were you guys expecting uh, Jagger Furcus to still be there at the top of the second round? No, not really. Like I, I thought he might go in the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the way we structured ourselves, he was the guy if he's there for us, and he was, and we're happy about that. I think that Jagger is incredible upside. Like he's he's a slight kid, obviously. Uh, but his talent level is right up there. I mean, it's, and I know if you guys had a chance to go watch the development camp, the, the things he does with the puck and the, yep. he shoots extremely hard Like for a small guy. Once, once we get him a little bit, you know, bigger and he's still a kid, like you can't put pressure on these kids, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch him develop and play next year and see where he can take it. Yeah. We, we all saw the, uh, the play where he put the puck between his legs and uh, I, well, he put it <laughs> yeah. through, I forget who the defenseman was that he was skating against, but he slipped it through his legs. The whole crowd went, Ooh, and then he put it through <laughs> his own legs and shot. And everyone went, ah, <laughs> just really great. Yeah. yeah. He's easy on the eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fun, it's, it's fun to it's watch. It's not going to be as, as easy for him next level to do that, but uh, he'll learn that. Yeah. You know, what went into the decision? Because you, you did package two picks together uh, to move up to get Ben McDonald. I'm curious what went into that decision that you guys were like, we have to jump on this right now, that Ben McDonald was the guy. Yeah, Ben was the guy that our guys out, uh, you know, out east, uh, Eddie, Eddie Olchick Jr. And, and Tom O'Connor really, uh, I don't want to use the table, uh, the, the, the word, the expression pound the table, but they were really hard, high on him. These kids are really hard to scout the high school kids the bar you know where is the bar for them but i you know we had all our senior scouts go see him play and and uh he was basically the guy that we were looking at and we're saying you know there's there's real passion for this kid why don't we make sure and, and grab him we double checked ourselves on that and it wasn't a big move it didn't cost us that much but uh, uh you know watching him again in camp uh I believe that we did the right decision. Like, you know, he's a great kid. We interviewed him, obviously. He's a six one, six two, excellent skater, going to BCHL next year, then then to Harvard. So we, we got we got some time with him to work with him. But yeah, that was pretty much it. The the excitement uh, from the group uh, that basically the regional guys were really high on this player and and we, he was still available for us there. So we said, well, I might as well do it. We got a lot of picks. So. Yeah. Uh, and you also selected one goalie, Niklas Koko. I hope I mm-hmm. said that right. Yeah. Uh, he was the second goalie that was taken in the whole draft. I'm curious what you can tell us about him and what made you pick him. Yeah. On our goalie draft board, they were we actually had him one. Uh, mm. We liked, liked him a lot. But they were very close with the other guy, the Lennon and Kit that went to Buffalo, I believe. But... But we, you know, with our four picks, that's where we wanted to, because this year was not really a strong year for the goalies. And, you know, we, we're a new new team and we need everything everywhere, including the goalies. And uh, so we're, we're actually very excited about getting him. Uh, hmm. And once Lane and were, went a little earlier than everybody expected, we said, but there's, you know, uh, we're not going to wait for this because, uh, you know, we, we, we wanted, like Coco was really the guy that we wanted at some point. And, yeah. and, and the four picks in the second gave us the... Uh, you know, the opportunity to do that and not to wait and, and be nervous about it. So 
uh, yeah, I think we we were happy with Coco. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was interesting because that was kind of the one pick that I guess the prognosticators out there were saying, and it's funny, we keep coming back to that, but like where they had him ranked was lower than where you picked him, but there's obviously a reason that you went with him because he was the top goalie on your board and you wanted him. Um, I mean, is there, I don't know, is there is there any like, thought that you might have gone too too high with him do you think he could have been available later or was it just like the organization needed the goalie and this was your top guy so you grab him when you can is that kind of how that works yeah yeah we you know it's a bit of a draft management but we we didn't think twice like we don't you know obviously you look at the prognosticators whatever but yeah we're aware of it but you know this was this was our decision we were comfortable we were not gonna wait for it we made a decision the second round we're gonna take the goalie if this is available and that was it. And, I, and I'm sure it's hard to evaluate his performance during prospect camp, but he looked great in prospect yeah, camp. And, it really did. And maybe, maybe it's out of, out of, you know, whack based on goalies and, and players, but he looked great. And so all of a sudden we're like, okay, yeah, that, that guy looks top notch goalie, but we know goalies is a long road. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was obviously you had a great draft this year. Uh, you know, we were really excited about Jagger Ferkus and Ty Nelson based on where they were selected you talked about Ben McDonald. Is there is there any other players out there that you were you're really excited to pick at this position they were? I mean, I'm sure you're excited about everybody, but anybody in particular other than some of the guys we've talked about? Yeah, I think if you look at even Barrett Hall, you know, there was a lot of passion for him, another high school kid, and mm-hmm. and, and you know where we got him. I thought. Because we actually got two guys that we wanted, and it fell to us perfectly. And uh, Tucker Robertson, Bird Hall, and both of these guys have tremendous upside. And you know, I mean, Tucker Robertson scored 40 goals in the OHL. Uh, he's, he's in a running for the Canada national team in Halifax. We, so we're we're really happy with those two guys. Later, like we got, we feel like we got great value. Like Bird Hall's got a he's a tall kid, six one. Great shot, uh, you know. Great development uh, road ahead of him, and uh, so I have to say that we're really happy with every selection, even mm-hmm. even Tyson Jacknut. I mean, you know, again, little slight defenseman, but the skating to me looked like Riker skates, smooth skater. He's got great hands. Going to Wisconsin, so we're we're excited to see where these guys can go. And like I said, Ty Nelson, where he we got him, like it's it's a great pick. I think bumping my own tires here, whatever, but <laughs> no, he's we loved Get watching a bonus. him too. Apologize for that. <laughs> Truly, he, he was one of my favorites to watch in in camp. I thought he was so slick and like he's built like a spark plug. Like he's he's just he's tough to take off the puck. And uh, even talking to him a little bit too. I mean, he was he's a funny outgoing kid. So. Yeah, um, great personality. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's going to be a fan favorite one day. I think there's he's a he's a likable <laughs> kid. Um, last question for you, Robert, and you've been awesome for doing this on on part of your very busy schedule. So we appreciate it. Uh, but now you're at World Juniors. What's your wild prediction? Who's going to win this thing? Uh, you know what? It's going to be a tough one. Uh, I think that uh, I haven't seen the Finns yet. I saw the Sweden Canada yesterday, the exhibition game, and it, it it was a very close game. I think Sweden has a chance with the goalie that they have. Mm. Wallstead, uh, right? Uh, Wallstead, yeah. The U.S., they lost to Finns in exhibition. I would hope that they do well, but it's it's wide open. I think there's not a clear number one candidate to win it. Uh, Canada's going to be always there, but... You can't count out Swedes and Finns, especially Finns lately on an international level. They just clean everything up. So yep. we'll see. And no Russia makes things a little little unique this year too, I suppose. It is, yeah. It's it's like it's it is what it is, but it's it's always like they are they are good like yeah. players. That's a that's a good hockey country and 
when they're missing, then, you know, it takes away a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just said that was going to be my last question, but then I just thought of one more question. Um, on the topic of... Just keep going. Yeah. No, on, the, on the topic of Russia, though, uh, you know, you guys didn't select any Russian players this year. Carolina selected a bunch. A few other teams selected Russian players. Was there a conversation that you guys had about that at, prior to the draft or at the draft? Um, or was that just... It just fell that way that none of the Russian players out there were players that you're interested in? Yeah, we, we did talk about it and it just fell that way. We did mm-hmm. have these kids on, you know... Uh, on our board and uh but they just weren't available and we had them and or they, they were taken and uh but we did uh, we did not discount the russian players no mm-hmm. all right well that's all we have for you uh that was kind of a weird way for me to end that interview but i thought of it and i wanted to ask it so. um but hey no, robert but... thank you thank you so much for doing this uh for the second time enjoy world juniors and i'm sure we'll see you back in seattle here in in a couple months so really appreciate right. your time Thanks, guys. Always fun. Thank you. Appreciate it, Robert. Thank you. Enjoy the games. All right. Thank you again, Robert, for joining us. And, uh, you know, we definitely mentioned it there, but he's a busy man right now. I I, I was just thinking it's pretty incredible that he's willing to talk to us. I know. You know, that's and he he generally seems to enjoy it, too. Right. For the most part. I mean, it's it's still work for him, I'm sure. But, you know, he's just having a good time. Coming, I think a scout can be with us. Like, yeah, they, they have they have to keep a few things. Under their vests, and and we don't. I don't think we ask any hard hitting. We're not looking for insider information for or to make him look bad or the organization look bad. But but we it's did really cool. go on the record to say that Connor Bedard is pretty good. I know, that's right. I know, <laughs> that's right. And it's not tampering because he hasn't been drafted yet, that's right? So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank you to uh, Ben Guerrero for letting us chat with Robert Cron uh, and the Seattle Kraken. Of course, uh, let's move on to our weekly one timers. Our first. Weekly one-timer. Max Pacioretty, you can't make this up. He has torn his Achilles tendon, apparently. Well, he had surgery on a torn Achilles tendon. Uh, I am to believe that this happened after he arrived in Carolina because the Hurricanes did tweet out a video of him skating in Carolina Hurricanes gear. And now the latest that we heard is that he tore his Achilles. And we know that, I mean, he got there on what we thought was the deal of the century, right? Because it For was free. A, basically yeah. a free trade yeah. with, with <laughs> Vegas, who is out of cap space. That sucks. I mean, that sucks for Carolina. It sucks for him, obviously. And it sucks for him, too, because last year he was battling yep. some injuries all yeah. season. So, and that, and man, Achilles is not, that's not an no easy joke. one. Nope. It's no joke. You're, you're down for a while. God, if I, there's things that I think of, and maybe I just think it's extra painful, like because that's what literally killed Achilles, right? In mythology. <laughs> it's true. You know, that is a good point. So yeah. maybe, maybe it's not as painful as we think. And maybe we're just to believe that it's super painful because of the Achilles heel theory. Well, I, I think I've mythology. heard the recovery is brutal. Yeah. No, I think it's actually a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. When you think yeah. about like what that, ugh, I don't want to think. I know. When you think about like what it does. You feel yeah. it. Like, <laughs> look out your Achilles and you can feel how it would be painful. Oh, yucky. <laughs> For the love of God, let's get to our next weekly one-timer. Whoosh. All right, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have signed Seattle Thunderbirds legend Kevin Korchinski. Is he a legend yet? Maybe not yet. He's pretty young. Um, He's good. Yeah. <laughs> Number seven overall pick, uh, so he's signed his entry-level contract. What do you want to say about this, Andy? Well, if you're a Thunderbirds fan, worry or, or not up on what entry-level contracts are and worry that he's not going to come back to Seattle this year, he will be back. Yeah. So th- this deal doesn't kick in until he's actually playing pro hockey, so... I think he'll probably be back for, you know, probably two more years hmm. would be my guess. That's I think he'll play as a 19-year-old, too. Number seven overall pick. You think he's got two more yeah, years? Yeah, I just think 
I mean, it depends. We'll see how next year goes. He's he's still pretty slight. Yeah. Okay. And so I think they will want him to play on the defensive end at some point in All Chicago. Right. Our next weekly one-timer. You think that they want the defenseman to play on the yeah, defensive end? Well, he's got good offense. So <laughs> I, mean, I, I knew what you meant, but yeah, I just thought it was funny. Jacob Truba has been named the captain of the New York Rangers. And that's all we have to say about that. Well, Art, but, oh, we have know, something? No, it's kind of interesting that they haven't had a captain since 2018. Oh. And, and that, that was Ryan McDonough. Ryan, Ryan McDonough. Okay. I was going <laughs> to say Ryan Callahan. Is no. that his name? Ryan. Ryan Callahan is the other New York Ranger that went to Tampa Bay as well. And he was a captain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was a captain, but McDonough was the captain. Right. But I th- I thought McDonough replaced Ryan Callahan. That I maybe when he was traded, he was the last and he was the last captain, McDonough. Okay. At least according to an article I read. That doesn't mean it's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Who do you think is gonna be the next Kraken captain? I think Maddie Beneers. I think they're gonna wait a couple years to name another captain. That's my theory. <laughs> it, it's so weird because they were so hell bent on signing one or s- announcing one, one. Yeah, with Giordano. Yeah, before the season. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, no, let's just pause for the next couple of years. It's just my expectation. Uh, I don't think it's that far off. Mm-hmm. It, I think it should be Gord, but okay. um, I think you're right. They'll probably wait. You know, this is interesting, right? They have a couple uh, – Rangers have a couple young guys that they could have waited a little bit longer, but no, Truba. Yeah. So. We'll see. We'll see about the Kraken. Uh, we'll see how Jacob Truba does in that role, and really, realistically, that doesn't really mean anything. But <laughs> our next weekly one-timer <laughs> – uh, there's been a few signings around the league. Boston has brought back two of their living uh, legends. David Krejci is back from whatever league he was playing in. Czech. Czech league. Okay. And Patrice Bergeron is back. There was some question about whether or not he returned to the Bruins. Then uh, they both signed for like $10 each or something like that. I saw people <laughs> celebrating that they got him for really cheap, like a million bucks or something crazy, crazy low. There's, and there's lots of uh, bonus structures yeah. in there. So, um, do you, re- do you remember the, at the end of the, when they got eliminated from the playoffs last year and Bergeron like stood there and shook every, every one of his teammates' yeah. hands? It sure looked like he was done, right? That yeah. was a goodbye, but, but yeah. things change. I mean, that's the heat of the moment. And, I think yeah. that can also be the season. Like we battled be. In, in like a, a, like I loved playing with you yeah. kind of thing. A couple things about that is, is Boston was hurting because Marshawn's out for mm-hmm. a while, probably till December. Oh, I didn't know that. And, um, how did I miss that? We've talked about it. We have? Okay. Yeah. It was just See, I told a long you I, didn't listen, I don't listen to the podcast. That's true. Well, we didn't write about it. <laughs> okay. And then um, Charlie McAvoy is also injured for a bit. Oh, okay. So there was some concern that they might not be able to be in playoff contention if those guys are out too long. And this kind of shores that up a bit, those mm-hmm. two guys. And, and all of a sudden, they're they're probably back in contention for at least a playoff spot. Lawson Kraus signed for five years at four point three million with Arizona, uh, and Jonathan Huberdeau eight years, ten point five million back to the Calgary Flames, just as we uh, expected. So that's uh, too much, too long. It's yeah. a long one. Yeah, it's a long one, but it's I mean it's the price of doing business, right? And that's a uh, and that's true. Still... Living won't be around for the end of it. So. Correct. Yeah, so he doesn't. But care. he bought himself several more years. You know, he went from being probably out the door if he lost his two star players, right, for nothing or close to nothing. Uh, and he managed to basically bring in another star player. Just and... delayed it. Correct. <laughs> That's all GMs are effectively doing, right? They're yeah. just they're just trying to. And and the best move I like is when they they decide they're going to rebuild and they're like, all right, it's going to be a five year plan, right? It's like, well, you got to let them see out this five year plan then. Um, anyway, uh, next weekly one timer. Michigan has fired Mel Pearson, their coach who brought in one of the best recruiting classes of all time. Uh, we've learned quite a bit about him here over the last 
X number of months, I guess. And effectively, he just doesn't seem like a very nice guy, right? Is that right, John? Yeah, he sounds like a jerk mm-hmm. and a liar and uh, like kind of like what you would think of an old school coach. Now, I do want to clarify something. Okay. He said fired. He was not fired. Oh, sorry. He was He was not brought back. He was on the last year of his deal and they'd never extended him, but he was still around the offices and around the team and still recruiting and still doing work, but he wasn't technically under contract. And turns out, this news breaks and all of a sudden they don't want him back. So yeah. um, Strauss Mann did a story with, uh, or he did an interview, I guess, with Katie Strang uh, about kind of some toxic treatment and things of that nature. And I think that kind of fed Yeah, and it, it just sounds like, uh, I mean, it, it really, it's probably was common behavior 30 years ago, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't fly these days for good reason, right? Whether it be any workplace and especially in kind of a college program. But it's like, lying about COVID results and stuff like that. And then what? lo and behold, that's the year that they had to drop out of the tournament because the whole team had COVID. Had COVID. Oh, yeah. weird. So yeah, shocking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't, they promoted the assistant um, to be the interim coach for the year. It sounds like he's going to be there all year, but um, I, is Michigan kind of dead to us now that, that Beneers uh, isn't playing on the team? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we really care anymore. I think Luke Hughes will be back there this year. Yep. I yeah, think but, so. But just like, Charlotte. We don't care about Charlotte anymore. Right. Do we care about Michigan anymore? I always hated Michigan. That's true. I liked Maddie, hated Michigan. Right. Okay. So I remember he was rooting for them to lose. Correct. Because I wanted Maddie to get here sooner and, <laughs> and because I don't like Michigan. So uh, our final weekly one timer. The World Junior Championship is underway in its prime uh, prime time slot here in the middle of August. Uh, <laughs> Canada had a win in its first game over Latvia, five to two. Latvia interestingly hung in there for the first period. I think I saw it was one to one after one period. So sounds like their goalie played really well. Latvian goalies usually do. Yeah, they do. USA okay. <laughs> uh, won five to one over Germany. We we got to see that one last night. Uh, they were. I what is the the final shots were like fifty to ten or something crazy. It like was that. dominant. It was very very dominant. Much more dominant than the five one score. Yeah, game. and another scenario there where the goalie played really well. It probably should have been ten to one because the you, the puck hardly ever left Germany's. Zone. Can I can I say something about so the NHL Network is televising all the games. Uh huh. And for all the games, they use the TSN feed out of Canada, with the exception of the USA games, okay. which their two guys, EJ Raddick and Starman. Mm-hmm broadcasts from a, remotely from their studios. I'm not a fan of that. No. Because they hardly ever mention any of the other players. They'll say like, oh, great play by the German player. Because mm. they're not there. They don't. They can't see the number very clearly. They, a goal was scored. They were delayed. They're like, oh, they scored. Like a good couple beats after the goal <laughs> was scored. <laughs> and so I don't understand why they do that. It's either send your guys to Edmonton or just use the TSN feed for the USA games. I mean, if anything, I'm I'm more upset about the commercials that are very clearly geared towards like 90-year-olds <laughs> at 10 a.m. I don't really understand what that's about, but that's like typical NHL network. I don't understand why that's always the commercial. I'd, I'd love to know the economics behind that of why I yeah. get like catheter It wasn't too and- long ago we had Farmers Only during like Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with farmers only. Love well, is they've love. come a long way. I everyone, think we knew that. We've everyone been needs that. to find someone. Yeah. So Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, our last couple of voicemails here come from an anonymous listener and one of our longest, timest listeners, Lowell. Loyalist. Yeah, let's let's hear it. Listener since episode one, and we need more goalie gear corner. Hello, Darren, John, and Andy. This is Lowell. 
at Husky Chemist on the Twitter. Uh, I've been with you since episode number one, and I just have to say I have grown as a hockey fan because of your podcast. I was a crap weasel fan. Now I'm a Kraken fan, number one team. Andy, I'm with you, though. Vancouver is my number two. Absolutely love what you bring to the table in terms of the interviews. I listen to your podcast a lot when I'm exercising at the gym. I get some strange looks when I rattle out, goalie deer corner, or even weirder looks when it's a, probably didn't replicate John's sound effect very well there for weekly one-timers, but you get the picture. Your your podcast always ends up at the top of my playlist as soon as an episode drops, and I'm always looking for a way to get to it sooner. Thank you for the content. Uh, thanks for 200 episodes. Can't wait for 200 more. Have a great day, guys. All right. Thank you, everybody, for the voicemails. Uh, we're going to close the show with our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week comes from Michael Russo, who oh. covers the Minnesota oh. Wild yep, very well, I mm-hmm. might add, for the athletic. So apparently there's a thing with uh, Jesper Wallstad, who's one of the Wild's up-and-coming goalie prospects. One of the best prospects in the world, in fact. He's always worn number one. Yeah. So <laughs> Russo tweets out, and, and this is I'm assuming this is in a sarcastic voice. Yeah, I know what you're Sorry, talking about. Sorry, Jesper. I know you're our goalie of the future and all, and you've worn number one forever, but our fans are number one. Yeah. Because the Wild have famously retired number one for the fans. I mean- the Kraken could run into that scenario if they get a Hall of Fame goalie that's uh, <laughs> yeah. you know number thirty two, right? Like, what do they do in that scenario? I don't know. Well, we know who is behind that number same, one. Same guy. We know. <laughs> uh, that's a funny one. I saw that one today too. Uh, that's two mentions of Jesper Wallstadt on this pod because right. we I mentioned him with Robert Cron. Yeah. Uh, my tweet of the week comes from Mel Pearson. It says new profile pic, and it's just a picture of him on the golf course. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Taking it hard. I, I mean, I hope that he's being funny here because I think that's kind of funny, personally. I thought I, I, was, I had a little bit of a wow factor at first. I'm like, wow, he really did that. But yep. it's kind of funny. He sure did. Uh, John, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week comes from Punch It Ch Three W Thirteen. Okay. Also known as Ben Rangel. Oh, oh, yeah. Mentioned Ooh, earlier. We've heard from. Well, we well, don't know for sure. Right. We heard from Ben. Yeah, we yep. heard from a Ben. Uh-huh. <laughs> and a um, long time ago, he used to have a garage w- door was painted with a huge, it was red and then had a huge Blackhawks logo on it. Mm-hmm. And so he tweets at Sound of Hockey a couple days ago, says the house is ready for next season. And it's one of two. And he literally has painted his garage door, two car garage, mm-hmm. by the way, with a huge Kraken logo, an anchor, you know. A nice. couple tentacles coming out. It's pretty sick. And then what appears to be the back deck, he's got the red eye on the deck, painted on wow. the deck, and the skyline. And I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So Ruben, the artist, absolutely killed it. That's, That's what he says yeah. in the second tweet. So. Uh, now, has has he forsaken the Blackhawks as his favorite team? He's I mean, pretty, it's a good time to jump ship. I mean, Everybody I've seen is. him at quite a few Kraken games <laughs> wearing Kraken jerseys. And I mean, I'm not going to fault anybody for doing whatever they want with their no, I know. their current team fan. But I'd say this guy's pretty in to the Kraken and the Crap Weasel. And he's I, I know there's a picture that he's got where he's wearing a Sound of Hockey t shirt nice. uh, at one at the beer. I hall think it was the introduction of Ron, Ron Francis. Francis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Sound pretty hockey. guy's amazing. He is. I mean if you're gonna leave the Blackhawks as a fan, now's the time now's a really <laughs> great time. Great time to perfect jump time for it. <laughs> It's been smooth sailing the last few years, certainly. Um, hey, you know what I wanted to actually do? I said we we're going to close the show with our tweets of the week, but I wanted to quick go around and give some favorite memories from the podcast. John, 
What do you got? You know, uh, listening to people uh, in the voicemails that they sent in and, and interacting with people a little bit on the Discord, one thing I, I always appreciate is during the darkest times of COVID mm-hmm. in summer 2020, yeah, how we were able to c- still talk and communicate with the listeners. And I, and that's where we lined up a lot of those interviews that we've talked about, right? We had Brendan Dillon on. We had Jason Berger on. Like some of these, these more obscure that might not be available during the year. And it was an important time for me to like have that outlet, like for a lot of us. And I mean, we even heard from listeners, right? Where it yeah. was like a big deal, even though there was no hockey on. We were still able to connect with listeners, and I, and so it's not like in any one moment, but it's just an important time that was therapeutic for me, and I'd like to think it was therapeutic for some of the listeners as well. So that that's, I mean, it might be cheesy. I no, apologize. I, I don't think it is at all. I, I agree with you, and I that was a very dark time for literally everyone on the planet, and we were going through. That was the summer of the George Floyd stuff yep, too. Like Minnesota. it was a rough, yep. rough summer, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of the one thing that we had and, and there was no hockey for what, I don't even know how many months. And we just kept talking about hockey and we'd reach out to these people that were like, yep, I'm also just sitting in my house, <laughs> happy to do an interview, yeah, you know? Yeah, and, um, yeah. and so, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was cool that we were able to, um, keep things rolling during that time when there truly wasn't anything to talk about. Um, but we, we figured it out and I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, we adapted and, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate that as well. Thank you for saying that. That was great. Andy, what do you got? I think my favorite things about uh, about the podcast, and again, just like you guys said, it's not just one particular moment necessarily. Some of the interviews are great. You know, Brendan Dillon was a great interview. Yeah. Uh, I, I I enjoyed when we had Steve Connor Walchuk on because he's just one oh, of yeah. my favorite people yeah, that was funny. in the sport. And uh, he was really good. And, but uh, just the interaction with the fans, like when we run into fans at places, I mean, John and I were in line at Starbucks at KCI during training camp, and a woman recognized us by our voices, and yeah. I thought that was pretty amazing. Like, that was pretty weird. I mean, it was weird, like kind of like, but also really? amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She just heard us and knew that we were on. That was us. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty and amazing. she came and said hi, yeah. and it was great. And we just sit around doing this, but people are listening. Yeah, <laughs> that blows my mind. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. I think my favorite. You know, it's really hard for me to pick my one favorite moment also um i actually was going to say that summer and then you stole that from me john so right. i'll do something different <laughs> i'm gonna one thing that jumps to my mind is when we inter- we interviewed jamie huscroft at snow king that time and uh, i had to like pause him because he was hitting the table and making <laughs> <laughs> making noise very and then i also i don't remember what i said to him but i he's like Okay, and I, I could have sworn he was like ready to punch me over the table. Oh, and- he mentioned all the teams he's played for in his NHL career and asked him something snarky <laughs> about that. He's like, are you saying that I stink? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know if that was really my favorite moment in the whole thing. It's, but it's it was a, a memorable moment. A, a memorable <laughs> moment, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was never close to even remotely thinking about no, it. No, he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the the draft in Vancouver was awesome. Oh, that was. Um God, we've had so many cool things that have, so many awesome. Ray doors. Ferraro, I thought oh. that was a that was like a holy crap! Did we just land Ray Ferraro? Yeah. and you hustle over here. Yeah, we get him, and then we give each other a high five right after we got off yeah. the phone with them. <laughs> yeah, so, that was yeah. great. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's been so many things, and the podcast has truly opened so many doors for us. And um, but we couldn't have done any of it without all you listeners. So thank you so much for the support uh, through all this time. It's not like we're done. We're gonna keep going and going but uh this feels like a moment to reflect so uh thanks everybody for the ongoing support thank you for the five-star review casey uh razorback or whatever your name is uh 
<laughs> thanks everybody that left the voicemails uh, subscribe on Stitcher subscribe on Spotify subscribe on Apple Podcasts leave your five star review on Apple Podcasts we'll read it on next week's show we'll talk to you all very soon for episode 201 cheers oh. looks like we made it look how far we've come up baby we might have took the long way we knew we'd get there someday they said They'll never make it But just look at us holding on We're still together Still going